You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about two things. One of them is we are launching the Enneagram Glow Planner today. Yay, we are good to glow. And then we are also talking to the amazing Beth Johnson, an occupational therapist. She's part of the One One Glow, and we have been waiting for this episode for so long. We're talking about sensory issues across Enneagram types in marriage. As some of you guys know, this topic has been on my mind for a long time because I have seen this play out in so many couples' lives. I've seen it contribute to divorces, to affairs, to just misery completely together when we have sensory overload. So we're going to talk all about what that is with Beth Johnson. And as an occupational therapist, this is exactly her realm. And I really hope you'll stick around for the full episode this time because maybe you're like, oh, I'm so excited. I want to get my glow planner. But please, please, please stick around for sensory information. And we have a great freebie with that too. So I've got all kinds of great stuff with this episode. And sometimes I like to give a little quick check-in about family life and marriage life over in our neck of the woods. On a positive, we have just finished, my son and I, the first installment of Lord of the Rings. And that was so much fun. He read it with me cover to cover, the first book, The Fellowship of the Ring. And it took us so long, about a year. And we're gonna be getting into sensory issues in a little while. But what was interesting about that is he and I have similar sensory issues. And so it was hard for us to sit still together to do the reading. He didn't want me to read over his shoulder because he knew I'd be reading way too fast. And I, <laughs> I like reading out loud. He likes reading out loud. So it was such a fight. But we had so much fun too and giggled a lot. And he actually wants to read the second and third. So he was eagerly waiting for the rest of the books to come. And they came. And Wes and I are active writing a hilarious mystery dinner game now and I hope we continue to have fun. He is writing it more with me this time so I'm not as used to that. So once again the stimming issues are showing up a little bit because I'm just kind of like oh I'm used to doing all these projects on my own and he's like oh well hey I have Fridays off now let me help write it. So we're having a lot of fun and I'm having to do the deep breaths and the pauses and he has a lot of really good ideas because those of you who are ones out there know that ones go to seven in health. So I go to this worried space and I'm always troubleshooting and I'm like, oh my gosh, like in this game, we can't have this happen because then this could happen and people might feel bad. And Wes is just like, oh my gosh, like you have to relax. And so it's been really good for me. And it's like, he's reminding me, this isn't therapy. This isn't coaching. This is a light, funny game. So I've been having a really good time with him and we've been having dates each week to go over that. Um, And that just brings me right into you guys and the Glow Planner because I'm so excited that it's ready for you. You can download it at enneagramandmarriage.com today. Do not forget to use your code, which is relationship planner, all one word, not case sensitive, and you get $10 off. So it's basically a year long course, if you will, with you or you and your partner or spouse going through and talking through all of your relationship dynamics. And it has the most beautiful art by Elena Pompa of Ray of Light. Some of you heard her talk when we were creating the glow guides. And she was and is a phenomenal artist and a creative who worked so well with me to come up with 
ways for couples to balance. And we really focus in, if you've been seeing the graphics, we've been showing sneak peeks on Instagram and Facebook. But if you've noticed, we haven't just been focusing on the work week like most planners. We are focusing on after hours, weekends. We're focusing in on all the different topics in marriage. There's a monthly lesson, there's weekly lessons, and there's opportunities to balance instincts everything's done. You just have to ask the questions of each other. You just have to talk through. And there's all kinds of little tips to help you. Like, Don't rush your partner. Don't force them to do anything. Take baby steps. Take pauses. So you should be covered. I hope you enjoy it. And I want you to know that whether you jump in now to get started or later, I'm going to be going through it and sharing about it on the podcast starting in January. And then Jen is going to be sharing about it on in the Facebook group. But if you get it now, you can have the $10 off code. And so don't forget to use it. And I'm so excited. I hope you love it. Elena, my dear friend, and I exchanged hundreds of emails over many months preparing this and many, 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 many hours went into this project. And she is amazing and just such a treasure to work with. I hope you've checked out her art at Ray of Light as well. And she's on Instagram as well. But I was so blessed because not only did she finish up beautifully with me on the project, but she also included a surprise for me and all of you on the very, very last page of the planner. She made a beautiful Tolkien quote because I asked her to do this quote and she's like, I'm going to make it really pretty. And then she not only made it really pretty, but she made it into a beautiful eight and a half by 11 poster for you to color in if you want. And it's just one of Tolkien's best quotes about how we have to plan out our lives and live them with intention. So, and you know, I love it when the worlds merge, when Tolkien can come into Enneagram and marriage, it's always a great thing. So head on over to enneagramandmarriage.com and use Relationship Planner. Understand we're gonna be talking about this a lot over the next year so that we can continue to grow with intention in a formulaic, systematic way with flexibility because if we didn't include flexibility, I just wouldn't be a seven and I am a seven. So don't worry, there's flexibility. You can do it now, you can do it later, you can redo different months at different times. But let's get started in on our topic of sensory issues today because I wanna tell you once again that I think sensory issues can really make or break a marriage. And I feel that this is a very under-researched area. In fact, Beth was a complete angel to do a wonderful research project with me on this. She interviewed hundreds of people about this and got so much research. And she's going to share about it with us today. But I want you to understand that it's a newer topic in marriage. So it's a really good one for you to grab the download that we've got for you on my freebies page at enneagramandmarriage.com because Beth's information she put together in very neat type one fashion is something you should print and talk about with your spouse and just say, or if you're not married and you're single, do it as well, because it's so important to realize, wow, this is an underreported, under-discussed, under-researched topic in marriage, and yet it's so everything. But what if you even know the word occupational therapist or sensory issues, a lot of times you're thinking about kids. I know recently I wrote an article for our community on, on just sensory issues in kids, to go out to the schools. And 
there are so many literal catalogs full for kids to get items for desks and for for kids to find ways of dealing with their stimulation issues in the classroom, but there's not much of anything out there for adults. So Beth was amazing to go into detail with us and she's going to come back sometime to talk about more. So I want you to pay close attention and as always, when we have a complex topic on, try to get one or two things from the episode because as you're going to hear Beth discuss, we're all unique. So your inner neural connections are going to be different from the next person's. So we can't just give a complete formula for everybody to do because you're so literally unique and creative and wonderful just the way you are. But you also need routes to finding your way through so that you don't literally go crazy in marriage and in life because life can be, let's just face it, especially over the last couple of years, really overwhelming. So we really need to understand that in this hyper-modern information age world, even though those of us who are thinking types like it and go with it, we too need help with context switching and with all kinds of issues that can come up. So we're talking to every single type today. Just lean in, listen, enjoy. And I am so excited we get to talk about this together. Beth, I'm so glad to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, you know, our audience has been desperate for this conversation and it, I have been desperate for this conversation. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your preparations and for your information you're sharing today. Absolutely. It's, uh, I don't feel like OTs get to do something like this very often. We're so often in the clinic. So it's kind of cool to be talking about it, realizing how many people struggle with sensory stuff on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. So we are going to talk not only about sensory, but it's interesting that you're the one, one combo because we're going to talk about that too. And I think that's a body type that does end up having sensory stuff sometimes. So (laughs) I'm super excited to talk about how that might play out in a one, one marriage. Tell us what that's like. So it's funny. A lot of times when I tell people we're both ones, they make this face. Like I, that sounds horrible. And I think ones get a bad rap sometimes. I honestly think that we have so much empathy for each other because ones often have this feeling of like, nobody quite gets what it's like to be a one, like to have that critic to always want to be, I wouldn't say necessarily perfectionistic, but wanting to improve upon things I, I would say. And so I think we have a ton of empathy for each other. And I love that. And I find that a lot of ones, they we don't all have the same thing that we're like trying to improve. And so my husband and I actually have very different things that are our centers of focus. Mm-hmm. And so it works that like, if he's being hard on himself for something, mm-hmm. I can give him this picture of like, that's, it's not worth being hard on yourself about that, but there might be something else that I'm being really, really hard on myself or perfectionistic about. And he does the same for me. So It's interesting in that way. It can be really helpful. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, and many who are married to ones know when a one tells you, don't let that bother you, it feels really good. So I can just imagine how nice that feels for both of you. Right. It's, it's better than a shake it off or you shouldn't be worried about that from someone who's kind of trying to just blow it off. It feels different. It does because you know that you can trust this person. Like that's 
most of us don't feel like we can't trust ones. We're like, we may not feel like we can always measure up. So when a one says, give yourself some grace, it's this sigh, this exhale of it like, oh. it really is. <laughs> You're right. It really is. That's beautiful. So tell us what it's like to, to really grow as a pair of ones. What do you feel like you could share with our audience about how they could grow if we have some double one couples out there? So I think something from your glow notes was putting relationship over being right. And mm. I think that sometimes the whole don't go to bed angry, mm. it, it almost as a one or a pair of ones, sometimes mm. you do need to let it simmer. And we yeah. often find that, you know, anger is a secondary, there's something hiding under that, you know, yeah. we're feeling, we're both feeling sad. And we'll often, once we're calm and we come together, we're both sad about the same thing. We're sad that we haven't gotten to spend much time together lately because work's been too busy or because we've been yeah. parenting too much or that sort of thing. And so I think that mm-hmm. that can be really helpful. Also, the other thing you mentioned is how hard it is for one to relax. And so for yeah. us, neither of us relax well when we're in our home or when we have responsibilities. And Mm -hmm. so we both have to really, and I think ones in general can keep each other kind of honest by saying, Hey, it's time for you to take a break. You don't have to keep doing that. You don't have to keep striving. And a lot of times that means for us getting out of the house Mm -hmm. or for me, trusting someone else with our kids so that we can spend time together. That's I think a huge piece for us. Mm, that makes so much sense because you guys have a lot that you carry in your body as body types, a double body type. So for you to be able to let stress down bodily is so important. And I'm just, yeah. And that leads us right into our conversation topic because we're talking (laughs) about the body today. And for those who don't know what an OT is, can you even just spell that out for us briefly? Right. So a lot of times when we're talking about sensory processing, we're talking about kids, Uh, but people forget that adults have sensory needs too. And OTs are often thought of as helping with kids, but an OT can help with anyone zero through death, you know, with things that they need to do, want to do. And sensory processing difficulties can interfere with those things, uh, whether it's our daily living tasks or our relationships our social participation. Those are all occupations that we need and want to do every day. And an OT can help us to do those better by giving us strategies. Right. Wow. That is so helpful to know. And just everybody listening is probably like, okay, so here we were putting it in the full realm of physical therapy slash OT upper body. And you're saying it's all the senses. We're working with all the senses. It is. And the, I sent, I sent you a picture and we can share it with the audience if we wanted sensory processing is really the foundation. So if you think of a house, Mm -hmm. it is think about walking into a day and all the sensations are going to encounter, or even you and I sitting here right now, Mm -hmm. if I got distracted by the leaves that are blowing out the window and the furnace kicking on and all of that, I wouldn't be able to have this conversation. And so our brains do this amazing work every second of the day of filtering out what's important and what's not important to pay attention to. And that's sensory processing. That's our ability to say, I put on this sweater an hour ago, but I don't feel it on my body anymore. Mm -hmm. And because I don't feel it on my body anymore, I can have this conversation with you rather than pulling at my sweater. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Or mm-hmm. I don't hear the clock ticking anymore because my brain has, has habituated to that. So right. yeah, it's a foundation. We can't do these other things like pay attention, engage with others, have a phone conversation, whatever it is, if we don't have these foundational needs met or this integration. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And my son and I are right in this chapter for anatomy and physiology, as I was telling you in our audience. And today we were going through the five senses in this book. And it was reminding me that the sensory neurons are incorporating all of these smells, but also, like you said, helping us to be able to say, now we've interpreted the data and the smell isn't a danger and we can ignore it now and move on. But what you're trying to tell us, whether it's which of the five senses it is, you're saying that people have struggles here. Is that kind of what sensory issues are? Can you tell us about that? Yes. So basically essentially, I would say a sensory issue is anytime so it's, there's a big, big realm, but I would say our audience, what they're most wanting to know about based on the responses I've gotten is yeah. what, what falls into what's called sensory modulation disorder. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we've also got motor-based disorders, we've got discrimination disorders, but I think it's for this audience best to focus on this modulation. So you're not able to modulate. It's kind of that ability to turn the volume up or down. And so you react to something either by over-responding to it Mm -hmm. or by under-responding to it or by craving more of it. So those are kind of like the three ways you can respond. Of the people I surveyed in your audience, my audience, 95% of them were over-responders. And so I think that's a lot of (laughs) what we're talking That's funny because it's my people and your people. Like, why do we attract people? (laughs) Well, I think that in general, we're probably attracting parents. There were a lot of moms responding. And I think that there's a ton coming out on this being a highly sensitive person, being an over, especially an overstimulated mom in this past year of a lot of times you're trying to work at home and your kids are at home, all of those things. Right. And so this over responsivity is the brain saying, instead of saying that smells not dangerous, what you just said a minute ago, it says this is dangerous. And that, that system, that amygdala, that limbic system, it actually has like a fight or flight response to the stimulus. So Mm -hmm. you're over responding. You're still feeling that tag in your sweater an hour later, you hear Mm -hmm. a noise, or even you have the trigger present of a noise, you know, for me with my own sensory issues, if my husband walks in the room with chips and salsa, he knows I'm going to move to the other side of the couch. Mm. Um, because it's, it's just too much. I over respond to people chewing crunchy things. We can do this with any of our senses. And, you know, even a lot of a sense that people don't think about is our body senses. So the way we process movement, our vestibular system, the way we process deep touch, our proprioceptive system, mm-hmm. and even interoception, the way we, and this is really interesting for body types, mm-hmm. the way we process those internal cues, like thirst and hunger and pain. Uh, so that's a sensory system too. It's a deep, deep, deep sensory system, but well, so yeah, I, that is more just, than just seeing and hearing. <laughs> yeah. That's blowing our minds because you hear about the five senses and all I could get, even from when you talk about proprioceptive and what's the other one? Vestibular. Vestibular. Yeah, so that's movement. That's like, you're getting, if you're over-responsive there, you're getting sick on roller coasters or sick in the car. So that's 
that um, motion sickness, we call it gravitational insecurity. Okay. So what I was learning was that these, there's a general touch is like bigger than I realized because you have your five mm, senses, so but big. it seemed like touch is even bigger. And so I was thinking, is that even part of that, that people get so upset with touch because that's not even one of the five senses. That's like, you can have touch over your whole body, but not, you can't smell with your whole body. You can't taste with your whole body. That's so interesting. And there are two different types of touch receptors, right? So we've got this light touch, which you think of as like having your back scratched or having your clothing touch or something rubbed by you. And then deep touch is like more of that calming touch. So like a Mm. big squeeze or Mm. even we call it heavy work. So for kids, it's different, but for grownups, you know, doing heavy work can be like lifting weights. Um, Mm. So deep touch tends to be calming to the sensory system light touch scent tends to be alerting. So the people in the survey mentioned that being touched lightly can Mm -hmm. be really overstimulating for them because it kind of sends their system into like over arousal mode. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So when we have clients, when we have listeners, when we ourselves are dealing with sensory issues, it's, this is a huge field. And you're saying, there are so many different ways we could react to our spouses and our families. And and you're even also promoting the fact that I truly believe is true that this past year or two has created it to be even worse for people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me to share a few of the things that people said, like what their bodies feel like? Love that. Yes. I prefaced the audience about your survey before. So we're so excited. Yeah. So I think it's, it's interesting because these, all these responses come from different types. So if we are integrating the Enneagram into this, we're all, we were all over responders, everyone who, everyone who took the survey, but someone says going to church, the mall, a restaurant, the noises, lights, music, and general stimulation is just too much for me. That's when my Mm -hmm. fight or flight response kicks in and I'm flight. I shut down mentally, detach myself from the world around me. I become less responsive to my husband or whoever I'm with. It's frustrating. Afterwards, it's hard for me to even drive home and I'm exhausted for many hours. So that's just one, one example. Wow. Um, this one, as an Enneagram six, I feel like I'm constantly overwhelmed and in sensory overload because my natural tendency is to think through everything that's going on around me and how it may affect me and plan for anything that may happen. Wow. So people are giving, yeah. Um, what did you see people really responding to particularly that really surprised you besides just the sensory overload comments? Was anything else standing out to you? So a lot of people have like almost a visceral response. Like people Mm -hmm. talked about, um, it being nauseous or being, so overwhelmed or even having like a panic response, almost like I'm, I need to leave the room if this, this stimulus is present, uh, which is, is really sad. And, you know, it stuck out really strongly with the withdrawing numbers, the four fives and nines, how sensitive they were. And I think about how hard it must be if you're one of those numbers and have some sort of sensory issue to say yes to that social scenario or to say yes to that concert with your husband when he 
is his favorite artist is in town and you think about how overwhelming and exhausting that's going to be right because you're sensitive to that. So that was really interesting to me. That is really interesting that we don't always give the credit that people that are withdrawing types can be very uh, socially overstimulated and over responders. We've never really paired that before to my knowledge. So it's very brave pioneering work that you're doing to try to say, figure out. We need to out. do some research is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, These are early responders, yeah. right? We are just yes. putting some thoughts together today because we know there's listeners who are right now going, yes, 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 that's me. And, and I also want to ask, what did you, did you see anything for the body types? You mentioned something for the body types. And I thought viscerally, we were going to hear the body types were responding a lot. Did you notice anything with those ones, eights and nines? Uh, so ones, eights and nines all were very bothered by sound mm-hmm. and somewhat by touch also. Okay. Um, so being over touched was mentioned a lot with the body types. And I think, you know, as a body type myself, I, my first response of toward everything is through my body. Mm -hmm. And so if I've already had a day that is anxiety inducing or a meeting that's, and then I go pick up my kids and my son is a sensory seeker. He touches a lot and he's like petting my leg, you know, after I pick him up, I can go into overdrive. Or if my kids are being loud, even if it's happy loud, that can be because this is all of our body. These are our body senses. So even that sound, it can, a lot of people reported that the sound hurts, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just, it's not just this like, oh, that's too loud. Be quiet. It's like actually an anger response from the body type. And I think it stems from our body is already overloaded. And so the anger can kind of comes out of that. Um, and I noticed that more of an anger response coming from those body types. Yes. And I can't wait for our audience to get their hands on your handout where you flesh that out too, because that's, yes. that was really cool for me to read. But I think that when people are dealing with this, it's making me want to just lend a little education. If you have it on what's happening in their bodies with their sensory neurons. I think it's happening on an unconscious level, right? Yes. So for, from what I read, especially I was doing some more reading on misophonia because you mentioned that to me. Um, and for those that don't know, misophonia is, uh, it translates to hatred of sound, but it's not a hatred of all sounds. It's usually something that's pretty specific and researchers are trying to figure out what the, the basis for that is. They still don't 100% know they're trying to get it in the DSM so that we can use it as a diagnosis and help people. But right now they're saying we need to come at this from a kind of a multidisciplinary approach. And it's very similar to this sound over responsivity, but they're not sure if it's exactly the same either way. It's a top-down problem. So it's not that we're sensing something and then responding. It's that the stimuli is present and the brain says, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, someone walks into the room with chips and my brain says, I have to like fight, fight, flight. Like my fight flight goes off immediately. Like mm-hmm. I, I know what it sounds like for someone to have chips. And I can't handle that sound. So I'm going to go outside right now, or I'm going to whatever it is. So it's a, it's a a response that is no different than an actual danger being present. The brain actually responds in the exact same way. 
Wow. And from our reading today, this goes so well because it said that the memory is right there cap, you know, captured the memory and the senses are together. Right. Right. So the the (laughs) hippocampus is also in the limbic system, if Mm -hmm. I'm correct. And the hippocampus is where your memory is stored. And so, uh, it's very interesting how, how tied in all these brain structures are. And then you've got the motor cortex that, you know, respond, your body's going to respond. And so Wow. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. (laughs) Yes. Because the sensory is taking it in one direction and saying to the brain emergency. And then the brain is redirecting with the motor neurons, get out of there. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And so now you're telling us this is why people flee because they're like, I don't want to say something wrong or rude. And now we're getting back into the marriage realm of when spouses are hurt by this, this is what I've been coming up against myself and many, many, many clients, it's not only are we doing the hurting sometimes, but sometimes we're the hurt ones. Um, we have to remember some of this is unconscious processing. And some of it is because we live in a hyper-modern world that is going too fast, right? Uh, 100%. I think we are a very overstimulated culture right now. I think it is a conscious like decision and choice that we have to make Yeah. to turn it down, to turn down the dial. And that's, that's really, really hard to do. And Mm. I would say, you know, it is really hard not to take personally. And I, I, I wonder, I've been thinking about this, that it's easier for me because I have the language for it. So because I'm an OT and I've been doing this for so long, Mm -hmm. I'm able to say to my husband, this isn't about you or to my son, like you can't chomp your gum. It really hurts mommy's ears or, or I go and, you know, it's not about him. It's about my response. I can make it about my response. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that people always have that language. And we're at the point where we can laugh about it. Like he'll walk in and sit down with chips and I'll look over at him <laughs> and give him the side eye. And he makes like this sorry face and I'm like, it's fine. You're allowed to eat chips. Like it's just, it becomes funny because it's, I know it's a me issue. He knows it's not about him, you know? And so I think that in relationships, we have to remember that it's not the person it's the stimulus. And if we can develop coping strategies around the stimulus, rather than making it about the person, that's a really good first step. I also Mm -hmm. think though, like having the language to talk about it, like sitting down and talk, I mean, it sounds funny to like sit down and talk to your spouse about your sensory needs, but really it's no different than talking about your communication needs or your intimacy needs or any of that. And so I often would have parents come into the clinic and they would be so frustrated with how their kid, you know, the sensory issues their kid was having. And so I would give them a sensory tool survey. And I feel like it's a conversation we could have as, as adults, you know, in our marriages, you know, so what do you need to help you wake up in the morning for some people? For me, I bounce out of bed, you know, I'm a morning person, but for some people they need a shower, they need coffee, they need exercise. Mm -hmm. That is our sensory system. You know, that is our body, uh, integrating, what, what it needs from the second we wake up in the morning. So we just, you only notice it if you're having issues with it. Right. So what do you need to go to bed? My husband likes to have the TV on. I like to have it off. So we have that conversation of like, okay, well then you sleep next to the TV 
because it's calming for him, but alerting for me. So it's kind of funny when your sensory systems are the opposite. So, yeah, that happens a lot. Um, yes, <laughs> that makes it a little tricky, but just having the conversations, uh, I sleep with like a really heavy weighted blanket, you know, mm-hmm. what do you need? Uh, he needs a fan on. So these things that like seem so silly are, they can really be a big deal if it's helping you regulate. And when you're helping each other, that term we talked about co-regulation, it's when one person in the relationship is regulated and they're able to help the other person regulate and we can't co-regulate without communication. Right. So I think having these conversations and now there's a very fine line. We don't want to slip into codependency, like depending on your partner for your regulation. But mm-hmm. if they don't know, they can't help you to regulate. If that makes right. sense. It makes total sense. I mean, even Dan on the intimacy episode just last week was saying, you know, when we get so anxious that we're so locked into our coping strategies of, I need you here. I need you to do this. I need you to do that because I have sensory needs. He used other words, but basically right. works here too. Then yeah. it's really not as healthy as saying, hang on, let me take a deep breath. Let me pause. Let me see what I need. And if you can't be here for me in this moment, I do have other ways. And so, oh my gosh, this is so healthy for us to be having this conversation in a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to share some tips with us. And I love how you already have, but I want to make sure that we go over a couple of the terms. And I know that they're also on your handout, but the ones that I think that I loved that you already explained was the vestibular system, but can you explain the proprioceptive system? I have such a hard time saying that. And I learned it <laughs> a trauma training too. And it's so hard proprioceptive. Is that how we say it? Yeah. And I've been in OT for almost 11 years and my word still gives me a spell check error every time I spell it. And I'm like, this is a very common word. How can you not understand? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Yes. But I think um, our audience is like me fairly clueless. Uh, no. And so it's our deep touch system, our pressure system. So if you think about, uh, you know, there's even some stuff on completing, completing the burnout cycle, completing an emotional cycle. And one of the ways to do that is a deep hug. And so that is your proprioceptive system. Mm-hmm. You know, people who say that a weighted blanket is helpful or, oh my gosh, climbing into, uh, just a bed full with covers, you know, wrapping in a blanket, that's your proprioceptive system. That's your deep touch massages, deep touch all of those things that you think of as like more of that calming touch, um, even being surrounded by water. So a lot of times kids or people who have sensory issues love to swim or be underwater or water being sitting in a tub can be very calming. So oh, that yeah. system, it, it is what we use as OTs as our calming, our calming mechanism to help people bring their body down. You know, if I see someone who is high and up and over responding, I can help bring them down by showing them strategies to get that, that proprioceptive, that deep touch. You know, I'm even doing it <laughs> to myself as I talk, you know, that bringing yourself back to center. Yeah. She's got her hands in like prayer mode like, <laughs> yes. and that's, you're pushing them together and that's yes. beautiful and the weighted blanket. Yes. And so that's helpful for people when a, your spouse could be asked, give me a bear hug or understand that I need to go get a massage. I hear that from a lot of ones, eights and nines. What about, uh, I know some people like acupuncture. Oh um, yes. So I've not us- personally done that, but I've heard people who like to do that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. So tell me about, and then you said some of us are sensory seeking. Some of us are sensory deprived or sensory seeking sensory. 
under-responsive. And so the people who are under-responsive, you're going to have a harder time to get motivated. So they actually, unlike our over-responsive folks, need more stimulation to get moving. And so they might need to get their body moving to get moving. So you might hear someone say, not, I work out to calm myself down. I work out to wake myself up. You know, somebody who goes for a run or is like an avid runner because it gets them going for the day. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. We Um, hear that from a lot of nines, but we also are hearing from you today that a lot of nines are overstimulated, which was interesting. Yes. But nines often are known to be the least in touch with their body because they're the center of that body triad. And so I think that anything that gets them into their body Mm -hmm. and will help regardless of whether they're over or under stimulated, it's often that the recommendation would be similar. It's just how you would go about it. And it's really self-awareness too, and making others aware. So I think, you know, the under responsive, you know, they're more easily fatigued. They're, they're more likely to need, you know, music in the background while they're working. They are, you know, it's, we joke, my husband, if he was having a meeting right now at home, every light in our house is on. I have every light in the house off because he needs the stimulation and I need it to calm. We're both, our goal is both to be in the middle, but someone who's under, they turn all the lights on to get themselves to the middle. Someone who's over turns all their lights off to get them to the middle. So the end goal is the same. Yeah, sensory. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's the integration piece. Yeah. Or the modulation piece. Yeah. Okay. So that helps people to say, you know, whatever, you don't have to get lost in the semantics. Don't worry about the words, but listen for the tips now, because I feel like those were the words that people might have stumbled on. Do you feel like there's anything else you need to explain on that before we get to tips? I don't think so. The only other one is kind of that seeking and craving. And I will say, some sevens did respond with more of like a seeking craving and a lot of sevens and nines asked, and I don't know if you've done any research, this is a conversation for another day about ADHD and sevens and nines. I got a lot of questions about that, but when you're, when you're craving the, the brain mechanism is actually a little different. It's a little more like the brain mechanism for addiction. And so when you crave, you crave more and more. So actually getting the stimulation you need is only going to make you crave more of it. Mm -hmm. So that's almost a whole different, you know, that's a whole different story for another day, but we're we're having you back for that because there's a lot of us who deal with that. So that makes a lot of sense that that's a little different. And it isn't that those people don't also need some self-soothing, but like you said, you can take it too far. You can say, Oh, I need food. I'm going to take it too far. I need this and that. I, I, and just, yeah, totally narc out in some way. So I was just going to say that narcotization, I can't say that word (laughs) today. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that is, yeah, that's so helpful to hear that we're kind of all over the place, even a bit more in these past couple of years. And it is so influencing our relationships. So let's have, you have been so good to already give us some tips, but let's hear some of the tips that you also want to give. And then of course they'll get the rest in your handout. Okay. So I think to continue the the earlier, when I said it needs to be a conversation Mm -hmm. to move on from that, you know, what do you need to be calm in the house? I think it's, it can be, it sounds like it's an aesthetic conversation and it can be, but it also can be, do you need 
the, there to be a fire on? Do you need there to be the TV on and this on? And so for me, that's overstimulating for someone else. That's going to be what they need to keep moving throughout the day. Does that make sense? I don't know if I put that quite the right way, but I think that knowing what your body needs to concentrate, what your body needs to wake up, what your body needs when it's reading or studying or in a meeting, all of those things. And being able to say out loud, this is not about you. So I give the Mm -hmm. example of say there's a body type who's been home with their kids all day. Yeah. Overtouched, overstimulated husband comes home, has been sitting at a desk all day. Right. And so he's ready to interact with the kids, interact with the wife and the wife's like, I've got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And how hard is it not to take that personally? So my tip is for the one who is overstimulated, you don't need to fix yourself. You need to say, Hey, my, like I'm on sensory overload right now. Mm-hmm. What I need is to either take a walk or go for a shower. Could, mm-hmm. could you get changed and hang out with the kids for a little bit while I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about just with any other, whether it's mental health stuff, it's advocating for yourself. So saying I need this to happen in order for me to regulate, because in your marriage, if you don't get regulated, what's going to happen once the kids go to bed, you're going to sit on opposite ends of the couch, or one of you is going to go to bed and the other it is going to affect your relationship because if you're overtouched, you're not going to want your husband or wife to touch you. And then they're going to take that personally and that's going to affect your intimacy. Right. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a spiral. So why not communicate it? Right. Right. And some of it is happening so below the surface of the skin, but even farther below that it's not something you can necessarily help initially, but that some of it can be helped by you focusing here and doing your work. And when I say doing your work, I think I just really want to emphasize to families and couples listening that there are things that aren't our choice, but there are things that are. So some of it is going to be you saying, I choose to remove extra stimulus, especially if you give me time to go on my walk. I hear this from a lot of couples where there's a five who's kind of in locked in mode on tech. Mm -hmm. Well, they're just going to take their phone the whole time or a three who's locked into work. So there is a sense of like, you have to, at some point make the choice. I know what I need and I know what's good for me and what's going to help. Because if you give your spouse all the walks in the world and they still don't let go, or you said maybe one of the sevens, uh, because they're just not letting go and they want more stimulus, it's not going to work. Right. 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 And I think, I think that's why obviously some of these things are, Hey, I have this response to noise, but some of them are deeper and maybe you do need to work with an OT or you do need to work with a therapist on it. But I I think a lot of it can be just learning coping strategies or learning sensory strategies with kids. We call it a sensory diet. It's no different than with adults and all adults have a sensory diet. I, I guarantee if I sat here and asked you like about your day, what you do to keep yourself in the green zone throughout the day, mm-hmm. you might say, I have a cup of coffee. I get up and take a break and walk between seeing clients, especially mm-hmm. if it's virtual and I'm staring at a screen, I might suck on a mint or chew gum. So in general, sucking is calming. So I recommend 
for people who get overstimulated easily, having a mint at their desk or having a straw in their cup. Like if you keep a water cup at your desk, having Mm -hmm. a straw in it. Um, so sucking sends a calming signal to the brain. Um, and that sounds so early, you know, early life. Yeah, it is. It's, it's crazy how so many of those things can follow into adulthood and still be calming for us now, but the proprioception, it doesn't have to be, I mean, you might be, you might be at work and you can ask someone for a hug, but you can push your hands together at center or squeeze them five times you know, push your hands against the wall, like pretending you're trying to push the wall, giving yourself that sensory input. Uh, those are all, you know, deep touch and sucking are all kind of calming. The oral sense is very calming. And I think that's why sometimes people eat to calm that down, but just being mindful of what you're putting in, because, you know, if you're putting in sugary caffeinated things, that's probably not going to help your, your sensory system either, unless you're trying to stimulate, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a really good point you're making that you have to be careful what you're putting in and finding something that's safe, but not food could work too. I know some would like, I don't want to carry a baby bottle to work. (laughs) It's not that you guys, there are so many options you could try. Also, there are sensory stores out there that I notice where there's things for your feet rest that for your desk that you can be moving your feet on. So I think that we are in an age where, like you said, you might have to find it in kids sections sometimes, but who doesn't need it sometimes? Like you said, we're all at different levels for this. Adults are not perfect either. And it comes so much in marriage that I love how you're reminding everybody, keep trying to find what works because what works in one season might not work in this crazy last couple of years. You may need even more, I would imagine. Right. And I think it can be one of those things we joke about or that, but I don't own a pen that isn't completely chewed up. Mm-hmm. I never leave my pen back in the thing at church on the weekends because I'm so <laughs> embarrassed by what I've done to the pen, but yeah. that is self-regulation. That's yeah. I needed to focus on the sermon and chewing on my pen is what got me there. And it's harmless. You know, you're saying it's in the kids section or it goes back to development, but it really does, but it's harmless chewing on my pen mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. Is, is a harmless thing or chew, chewing gum, um, you know, whatever it is, if you can find strategies that can bring you to that middle ground and help you to focus or to calm, or a couple people said, they just know now they wear earbuds with white noise when they're in public, um, mm-hmm. places and that helps them to drown out all the extra stimuli, you know, those sorts yeah. of things can be helpful too. Oh yeah. I love to do that. It brings such a calm, even when I'm trying to do chores around the house. And I know I've seen people talk about TikTokers doing this just to have the earbuds on. It's totally different or to have a quiet house when I'm trying to do chores, I can feel organized. I can do everything, but when everyone's around, there's so much sensory going on that it's really hard to do that. So I relate with that very much. And I love that tip for those people to remember it could be white noise. It could be something else, but you're finding routes and new strategies. And instead of saying, I have to move to Siberia and now mm-hmm. I'm in so- <laughs> Siberia and there's a fly on the wall and it just drove me crazy because I never learned any sensory integration. Right. So I think that's really helpful. Now, I don't know if this is anything with, you know, I've not done any research into tapping, But when I tap the back of my upper spine, which I know is what is directly communicating the peripheral nervous system to the central nervous system, there seems to be a calming effect. Have you ever noticed tapping of any sort being helpful for people? 
I have not done any research on okay. tapping. So that's, right. that's an interesting question. No, um, I, I can't say that I, that I have And the really tricky thing I will say, and I should have given this disclaimer earlier mm-hmm. with sensory processing and why research is hard. I've never met two people who have the same sensory system. (laughs) And I'm like, this is like a joke for OTs trying to do research because (laughs) people would ask me, I'd have these strategies or I'd give the sensory diet to this family. And they would say, oh my gosh, our week went so much better. And I couldn't give like Beth's sensory diet to Krista. Like my sensory diet isn't going to work for you. And that's why OT is so individualized. And Mm -hmm. it's so hard. I think I fumbled a little with my words earlier when you asked for tips, because I was reading these hundreds of responses from the survey the other day. And I want to, I like desperately want to sit down with each one of those people individually Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. say, here, this is what we should do because I wouldn't have give the same answer to any two of the responses. So I think that's the other thing that's tricky about sensory processing. Mm. Well, I'm excited that you are available for people to have a consult. And we're going to talk about that in a little while, because that might be exactly what some people need. So that's a beautiful reminder. Um, I, before we get there, I was going to ask, do you ever think that you mentioned lights being on or off? Would a dark room be helpful to a lot of people as a basic tip for some, if they were just feeling frustrated in their marriage and they could just go take a few minutes away from their phone and away from it all? Yeah. So I think you said away from your phone is the other thing that you said, that is so important (laughs) Um, because your phone is a light, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've noticed whether I'm walking outside or I'm walking into a dark room, either way, if I'm putting away extra stimuli that I, that does not need my attention. Cause by saying I need this uninterrupted because, mm-hmm. cause as parents, especially right. We're interruptible, especially mm-hmm. if you're the primary parent, you're interruptible. So making yourself not interrupted also includes get, putting your phone down. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I have people who tell me, and I think you know, if it is going to help you calm down and whoever's on the other side of the door is safe, even if you're like in the bathroom for just a minute, just to say, I need to get out of my head and back into my body or to believe that I don't have to have this fight response to whatever this stimulus is taking a few deep breaths in a very sensory deprived room is I think amazingly helpful. It's not a, it's not going to cure the rest of the day, but it is a really good moment to pause and say, like, I don't have to react to this right now, right? This is not dangerous. My body, I feel angry because my body feels in danger, but if I can take a few deep breaths, deprive myself sensory wise for a minute, like Mm -hmm. if you can give yourself that deep pressure, you know, at the same time, like, yeah, calm yourself down. Ooh, that's a good point. We have a good bed for that. We recently got a a more firm bed and we feel so much more grounded in it. Like it's close to us. You're talking about the weighted blanket. I take micro naps in the middle of the day, about half the days of the week. And I try to listen to my body when I need it. And that really fits the description as well. I don't go to a dark room, but I go to a quiet room. I put the fan on and I tell Alexa how many minutes I need. And it feels really good to get rid of the stimulation. And that's, I think, huge. And if you put your phone in the next room, not just next to you, that helps even more um, because we're not only 
pinging with our kids and our families and our work, but also with social media. And so it's an endless cycle if we don't just stop sometimes and take these little breaks. But I love how you're telling people find your own way and try to find your way with each other and have these conversations. Like these are so valuable for everyone to be talking about in their marriage. Yes. Yes. So for some people, it might be, I need to hide in the pantry and have a piece of chocolate right now. That's great. Like if that's what it is now, don't take that so far as to like, like what we were talking about before, where you can kind of make it like a numbing thing as opposed to a calming strategy. There's a really fine line as an adult (laughs) where we can use these strategies to calm our sensory system versus we're using them to numb out, whether you're using food or drink or whatever you're using, but knowing what your strategies are and knowing when you've hit the line between this is a calming sensory strategy and I'm actually heading into like negative numb out territory. So I think that that's where I was finishing up there. Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that, you know, when we have these responses, the same hormones that are released in the brain, you know, are our stress hormone, that's what's being released. And so it's no wonder we're having an anxious response more likely if you're a head type or a anger response, if you're a gut type or a shame response, if you're a heart type thinking, Oh man, this is impacting my relationship because when we're feeling that way, the research tells us that we're less likely to do well in our relationships. We're more likely to avoid relationships, you know, all of those things. So that's huge. What you so just not said. talking. So not talking about it and communicating about it and telling what's under those feelings can be a real detriment to our relationships or our marriages. So, mm, yes, that is enormous because I was thinking fight or flight, of course, as a safety person and how that would mean, I kept thinking the whole overarching theme of this episode is when we're not feeling safe, but you're reminding me it's when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling shamed, when we're feeling threatened, we don't always have the safety response. So it's, it's important for us, even if it's safety on a deeper level, it's important for us to look at how do we each respond and then not to shame our spouses. If our response was too big to not take our responses so far into, I need to self-soothe that now I'm numbed out, which I think is enormous for, for people that I think almost everybody takes it too far. And yes. That's why my husband in his field medically sees a lot of people taking so many substances. So yes. it's really important that you said like, find your titration and it is going to be a bit of a teeter totter where you're, you're working. It's not like you ever just have total homeostasis, but right. you will at certain times of your day. It's just life isn't perfect. So sometimes there's going to be an abrupt door knock or you're going to have to go to the bathroom all of a sudden. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yes. those are just things we have to deal with. But but I'm loving that you said that because I know our adrenaline courses through and takes time to the um the hormones take time to settle down. So with all of this being said. Where can people connect with not only you, but your resources? This is phenomenal. So I gave you the handout. So that has my info on it. So if they want to pop into that, otherwise I am on Instagram at any blooms or bloom with Beth Sensi. So I'm in Cincinnati. So Sensi is C-I-N-C-Y. We can put that in the note uh, at Gmail and I'm doing Enneagram consultation, but I also have been an OT for 10 years. So I love consulting with people and their OT needs. So I'm absolutely happy to do that. Um, 
I'm working right now to hopefully form some sensory groups or some focus groups around what adults need in sensory processing, because there's just not that much Mm. out there. There are some providers that see adults, but in general, there's just not a lot of support. It's almost like a, you need to get over it. That's something that kids deal with. And it's really not, (laughs) it's something we all deal with. So, um, so yes, I, I would absolutely love to help, um, in my profile on Instagram, there's a little contact form. And if people put sensory in the subject line, I will add them to my sensory database too, so that anything that comes out, any offerings that come out or focus groups that they will be contacted there. So, Ooh, that's wonderful. And so it's any of blooms on Instagram, right? Yes. Correct. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, this is such a treat and don't worry, everybody. I have her beautiful PDF for you guys. So you can head over to Enneagram and marriage also into my freebies. If you want to grab that, that one, if you're listening live is right up at the top so that you guys can grab that right off and start having the conversations at home. And please, if this is hurting your marriage, set up a consult with Beth. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes. I want you to come back so we can talk about sensory overstimulation too. Yeah. All the things. (laughs) Thanks. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you heard it from her. We need another time where we get to talk to Beth about these sensory issues and especially those of us who deal with being overstimulated and And her and I were talking even after we recorded this episode. There's so many facets, but thank you for being curious with us and listening with us. I hope you'll check out the freebie at enneagramandmarriage.com. I hope you'll check Beth out on Instagram. I hope that you will grab your Enneagram and Glow planner today. So don't forget the code relationship planner. The code is good through Friday, November the 12th, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure you order it this week if you are ready to glow with us. And I will be seeing you very soon. Have a wonderful day. Bye.